Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, this is John Lee Dumas of EO Fire and welcome to Master Leadership. Great leaders ask great questions and this podcast takes you on a journey to master leadership with questions that matter to leaders who matter with your host, Lily Sinabria. Hi, this is Lily, and welcome to Master Leadership Through Crisis series, where we will connect with leaders worldwide to gain insights on important questions to help us navigate through rough waters. If you would like to participate as a guest, or if you have a question that you would like to ask a guest, go to masterleadership.org for more information. Van Carlson is the founder and CEO at SRA and has over 25 years of experience within the risk management industry. Van began his career with Farmers Insurance Group as an agent, eventually growing to be among the largest in his home state of Idaho. Van's primary goal is to continue the upward growth of SRA and continue to develop new products to bring to market. Welcome, Van Carlson. How are you? Good. Thanks for having me on your podcast. Well, we're Appreciate excited. it. You know, just looking at you, I feel like I'm in the woods. <laughs> oh, love it, love it, love it. And we're so happy to have you on our podcast. Are you ready to pour into our listeners? Yeah, you bet. Awesome. Yeah. All right. So, Van, tell us a bit about your path to leadership and what you're doing now. I've always kind of led from the front, and that's coming from even back to sports and everything that I've ever partaked in, I always kind of wanted to take charge of the deal and at the same time, bring people along. Right. So that's part of the leadership thing is not necessarily you leading from the front all the time, but pushing people along with you. So, you know, business wise, it just became natural for me. I never saw myself as a corporate guy. I almost went down the corporate ladder and I saw myself more as an entrepreneur, business-minded, and two, you know, natural leadership, I think is, you know, you always take care of the people around you and they really do need to come first in a lot of ways. If you're making them successful, maybe it's cliche to say it a little bit today, but with my team and the people that work for me and work around me, I certainly always want to inspire and lead them to the path we need to go. And so I think through leadership, it just became natural. In my military days, I wasn't high ranking. I only did four years, but I found myself leading teams there as well. And military helped a lot with that. I've identified good leaders and bad leaders and how to lead and how not to lead. And I took some of that and put it into business and been pretty successful with it. I would say this, that you're only as good as people around you, but I think that's part of leadership. Thank you for your service. You come across as a visionary because if you're leading from the front, it's because you're seeing things that other people may not see at the time. You also said some things that I look for or listen for. You talk about caring for others around you. You spoke about inspiring those around you. And you said you can identify good leaders from bad leaders. What is the criteria that you use? Gut. I mean, your gut instincts really draws from your experience, in my opinion. And it's just, you know, observing. I think it's important to observe. And observing is listening, obviously, but also just seeing the body language of people, the way they carry themselves in a group setting. I can spot them a mile away. And you, unfortunately, can recognize the bad ones pretty quickly, too. 
and you know, you got to be careful about your assumptions, right? Of people, especially first impressions. But I think one of the things about leadership is, you know, when to lead and when not to lead, when to follow all those things, you know, those are all very important aspects of leadership and you can't always be the one also at the same time, you know, it's important to recognize when you do need to take a step back. And, and that's really for your team's point of view too, is you have some people on your team that want to lead by all means, man, let them lead. I love that you said it's important to observe. And I have a feeling that what you call your gut, it comes from a lot of intentional work on your part, even if you may not be aware that it is intentional. The fact that you stress observation and becoming a good listener, being a good listener is really on point. Now, what are you doing right now? Well, you know, I'm kind of in a transition period. You know, I've been very lucky and fortunate to have a very good team around me. And, you know, I'm doing things like this more and more. I'm very fortunate to be where I'm at in life at my age. And, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, we all kind of owe it to people around us to give back. And like I said earlier, I mean, if I take a step back, my team will step up. And that's been great to see. I run a couple of different businesses and every one of them, I feel like, you know, it's kind of a measuring stick you have to have. And one of the measuring sticks I have is, you know, if I was gone tomorrow, what would be lost? It may becoming such a big part of the business that the business can't survive without me. And I think as a leader, you know, you want the survivability. Not only do I have a responsibility to my family, but to all the people that work for me as well. So that's kind of the measuring stick I use, you know, and hiring the right people, giving them ownership, giving them the ability to make decisions give them budgets, work within the budgets and tell them a lot. It's your decision and, you know, live or die with it, but it is your decision. So that's the kind of stuff I'm doing now. You know, it's been fun. It's an exciting time in my life. You know, my wife and I are enjoying our cabin up in the mountains and we're able to do that and still be able to be interactive in work. And so we're very fortunate. Empowering others is super important to you. And it's really a smart leadership characteristic. Is legacy important to you? It is but not as important as it used to be. I think legacy needs to be looked at differently today. I think legacy is more, you know, the idea that you're leaving a legacy so people can remember you. Well, I don't, I'm not so interested in that. I think in the beginning, I think you, when you start out, you start to think about those types of things. But I think more importantly is if you're going to go out and build a business or you're going to establish something or you're going to go be in commercial real estate, whatever it is, you know, you want it to be quality and you want it to keep around for a long time. And so from a legacy standpoint, not as important as it used to be, but maybe that speaks to where I'm at in life today. And it was probably a driver at one point for me to keep moving up, but today it's not as nearly as important as it used to be. But at the same time, I think the legacy for me in my head is, are people going to remember me for being a good person to work for, was fair, honest, and gave them the ability to have a better life? And you know what, Van, I think that's important to leave that kind of legacy, that humanity can be that. Now, you have an organization, I believe it's Strategic Risks Alternatives. Yeah. Tell us about that. This is the geeky part of me, okay? I love risk management. I mean, it's kind of weird to say when you're trying to leave from the front, but I do worry about risk management all the time. And and really, that's where I kind of cut my teeth. I started my 20s and uh, getting my college degree and all that good stuff. And I started a property casualty agency. And developed a pretty good, successful agency. And I just saw a lot of business owners taking a ton of risk out there. And some of it was covered under traditional insurances, some weren't. So in 2008, during the Great Recession, my business partner actually came to me with this idea about self-insuring risk and how do you manage that more effectively for small to middle market business owners. 
And so, you know, I kind of was in a position to pivot my property casualty agency. My wife was nice enough to take that over for me and our kids are old enough and all that good stuff. So she was able to move into that position and we started strategic risk alternatives. And, you know, we tell people all the time, it was a 14 year overnight success story. <laughs> um, but, and we took this concept and this idea that there are self-insuring risk out there and business owners don't know it a lot of times till it's too late. COVID-19 obviously hit us in 2020 and you know, I kept telling my team, there's going to be winners and losers in this deal. I mean, it's unfortunate, but anytime one knows kind of not clismic event, but pretty darn close, right? I mean, it's certainly new to us as a society. And, you know, the thing is, is a lot of our clients that were in our program that were able to take advantage of some situations with deferral of, of incomes and all that kind of stuff that tax code allows you. It's called 831B is the tax code we utilize. You know, they will build up cash deferred reserves and survive COVID. This year it continues. So, you know, I always want to recognize business owners out there. I think they're the lifeblood of our country, especially small to middle market business owners, risk takers, those types of folks. Uh, but at the same time, I think it's important to recognize risk. How do you mitigate it better? How do you make it more efficient, more effective for your ability to survive? things like COVID. And it just continues. I mean, you talk about cyber, you talk about brand protection today. This year, we're seeing a huge uptick in supply chain interruptions, all of which you can't buy traditional insurance for and transfer that risk to, like you could a fire on a building or my general liability or my work comp, right? And so there's a lot of different risk out there that business owners have that we call an intangible risk that insurance companies traditionally do not like to really insure hard to quantify, hard to track. How do you do claims? I mean, there's just a ton of, and insurance companies, I mean, they've done very well over the last, you know, hundred some odd years in our country to the point where, you know, are they in a big hurry to take on more risk? Yeah. So that's what we're doing today. I've run a couple other businesses. I'm involved in a contractor's business. Ironically enough, uh, we're building high-end laundromats and that's been really interesting development with people. And I'll give you a quick shot on that one. When the public goes to a laundromat, Either something broke, they're in an economic situation, or they just simply have to use a laundromat because wherever they're living, it doesn't have it. And unfortunately, laundromats are known to be very dirty and smelly, stuff like that. And we're kind of changing that. You know, we're bringing technology to that industry. It's weird to talk to people about because they don't think about it, right? But if you can raise the bar, increase customer experience a little bit, people will flock to it. And that's been a successful part of our business models. Anyway, so yeah, I'm doing a variety of things. I'll never step away, I don't feel. As long as you got the right team around you, right. I think staying involved is important. Absolutely. And clearly, the services you're offering is really important. So where can we connect with you? Yeah, so 831b.com is our primary website. We've invested in some good training videos there, some informational videos. You know, I tell people all the time, this is just another tool. Big businesses have been using these types of tools for literally decades. If we can keep our pricing right and make it affordable for everybody, I think every successful enterprise out there ought to at least look at this type of a situation where, you know, can I mitigate risk more effectively at a cost that still makes sense for my business? It's just another tool in the toolbox for them. I think in every business owner, every risk taker, every advisor, every consultant out there ought to know about the 831B tax code to see if this fits in their model or not. Part of your platform is to educate. Ours is to educate as well. And that's really the best way to start is for us is at 831b.com. 
And so what type of organizations should really plug into this? Any successful enterprises, we're across the gamut of industries along with states. We're a majority of the states today. You know, there's only two tax codes that allow you to defer income out of a business, and that's really going to be your 401k and your 831b. And your 831b allows you to defer income out of the business for risk that you're self-insuring for. And that's why the tax code exists. And I tell people all the time, if you have a 401k, you should have an 831b to make sure the 401k is going to be around. Because unfortunately, when things unexpectedly hit you that you're on the hook for, lawsuits after lawsuits are being dismissed because the insureds are suing their insurer for business interruption last year due to COVID being forced to shut down or whatever. And they're losing those court cases. Every day they're getting thrown out of court because there's specific language in the policies excluding pandemic coverages. Again, these are risks that come in all the time. Again, cyber is a big one in supply chain risks. But if you're self-insuring those risks, I think no matter what industry you're in, typically they are self-insuring those types of risks. And now, Van, as a lifelong learner, what are you learning right now? To be more open-minded. I think we have a tendency to, especially I would say in the last 18 months, right? I mean, due to COVID, you've been kind of sheltered anyway, right? I'm listening more and more and slowing down and listening to other people and stop trying to rush to judgment. That's probably one of the things I've tried to be more cautious of. I think one of the things as leaders, you know, it's our way or the highway. And sometimes that can bite you. I think when you're younger, you know, you got to be a bull in the china shop kind of thing. You know, you're the person that got the vision for the company and you're the one that's got to push forward and hopefully people come along with you. And then you get to that level and you're like, well, wait a minute, I don't need to be that way. I can sit back. I think that comes with age, you know, again, observing with people that are older than me and people that are younger than me. You would think that it comes with age, right? We have to be intentional about that because you and I know some older people that haven't gotten it yet. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just getting ready to say exactly that. Yeah, I think from a learning standpoint, you know, I hope I never stop learning. It's been good and it continues to get good. And COVID-19 taught us a lot of things and has given me more confidence in my team and more confidence in how we do business today. Think platforms like this, I'd be able to get it at their fingertips, right? I hope from that standpoint, things just keep moving in the right direction. And I hope people become more open-minded, not so close-minded and listen to everybody else's opinions. Being open-minded really helps us to grow and being less judgmental. I think humanity is judgmental, period. You know, one of the phrases that has helped me a lot is understanding that if people knew better, they would do better. And that applies to me as well. Truth for me, you know, I stood by my convictions when I was 20 and then it changed when I was 30 and then 40. And then, you know, so it continues to change and it's fluid. So I don't have to always stand so strong in my conviction. It's what you said. It's listening and observing and being more humble. That takes intentionality. And so I appreciate that you're bringing that up. Now, Van, when you think of leadership today, what most concerns you and what are you most hopeful about? That we don't have enough of them. That concerns me the most. You know, I was just at an event not too long ago and it was something going on and it was interesting, right? I mean, it was like, okay, I've never seen this before. And I look around and I see 20, 30 year olds with their phone out recording it. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, are you doing this to throw it on the social media thing so you can say what? If you're just sitting there observing it and enjoying the moment right then and there, I would be interested to know that person's personality traits when 20 people around them aren't doing anything. 
other than watching it through their screen of their phone, right? And then out of that, how does that grow leaders? Grows leaders because you get more hits on your social media? Is that a leader? Well, that's somewhat concerning from that standpoint. Maybe that's good. I honestly don't know the answer to that. That's a crazy way to live to me, but maybe this is the way things are going to go today. I honestly don't know. And then again, really the younger people, you know, not selling their soul to the company store kind of mentality the way I grew up, you know, work ethic was everything. And, and I would say that a lot of these kids have still a great work ethic, but they won't sell their soul to the company store. And I think businesses, I think it's a good thing because truthfully, we're not here for a long time. And, you know, I can tell stories after stories and a lot of your listeners probably do too, is that, you know, you watch somebody sell their soul for 30 years to a company and, you know, got kicked to the curb because of a change or whatever might go on out there. And it was so much of their identity of who they were that they don't know what to do. And so they figured that out and, you know, good for them. You know, but you get the good and the bad with that, right? And I think some of the perception is the work ethic. I think people can get done things a lot quicker and a lot faster now because of technology. And so some people in their 50s that are in leadership or in their 60s that are still working in leadership have a hard time with that. Again, that's my observing and being able to see the workload that my staff takes on that, you know, I would probably have to have three times more employees than I have right now because of the amount of workload they have. So I think it's all good, but it's challenging too, at the same time to work with those folks. And wouldn't it be wonderful to continue to observe and intergenerationally really add value to each other because we do need each other. Yeah. Um, If we can just kind of step back and see the value in each generation, I think that would be a great way to go. Now, Van, you have an option here. You can take a question from a former guest, or you can share a challenge or struggle that you learned from. I would be up for the question. Okay. So we have a question from Ginger Sumaeta. She wants to know, as a lifelong learner, what are some books that have influenced your thinking and your growth in how you approach the world? I think the one I always referred most to was the E-Myth. You know, that kind of gave me a foundation to really understand how businesses should operate, that you should always take care of your team and the people that work around you and for you. You know, I had a gentleman when I first started my own business, he told me, he goes, hey, just remember something. On career day at school, nobody stood up and said, hey, one day I'm going to work for Van Carlson. Nobody. <laughs> <laughs> and so that always stuck with me, you know what I mean? And so, you know, you want to treat people fair and right and definitely know that everybody that tells you comes into your life through the employee sector can be leaving. And it's just a fact of life. And I think to set your business up around one individual too much can hurt your business to the point where it may not survive because you can't depend on any one person. At the same time, you need to depend on a lot of people. And in order to do that, you've got to be able to bring people to the table, get a consensus, do all the things that a leader has to do to position his company to move right in the right direction. If you're the only one leading and you're the only one buying in, Oh man, it's going to be a tough. (laughs) (laughs) It's going to be tough. Yeah. All right. So, as a listener of this podcast, what's a question that you would like a future leadership guest to respond to? Like, what are you curious about? I'm always curious about how do you see yourself stepping out of leadership? That day comes when you're not the leader anymore. Is that forecasted? As you think about it, do you know what date and time? Do you know a, a triggering event that's going to happen when you know you can step out? Those are the types of things that in my own life today, I would love to learn more about that from other leaders. 
So how do you kind of transition out of the position that you're in and hand it over, right? Yeah, and be willing to. <laughs> right, and then you have to be strategic in doing that because oh, yeah. you have to develop the next person that's coming up to lead your baby. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a great question. Now, is there anything else you'd like to share with our listeners? First off, I appreciate you having me on your podcast. Like I was saying earlier, uh, you know, what we do primarily is strategic risk alternatives, 831B.com. Anybody out there that's listening that's a business owner or works with business owners, unfortunately, COVID 19 hit. I don't know when the next event like this would happen. Hopefully, it doesn't happen in our lifetime. But anybody that's out there taking risk, anybody that, you know, runs successful enterprises, they owe it to themselves. They owe it to their employees. They owe it to their family. You know, they threaded the needle. They started a successful business. It became profitable. And now people are dependent on them. Uh, you owe it to that business to look into these types of tools for the survivability of your business. And that's really what it comes down to. It's just a tool to toolbox. Again, I can't emphasize it enough. We think it's going to become a normal business practice to own some kind of form of 831B plan, no different than a 401k plan. But I do think you owe it to your success to look into these types of tools. An important tool, I would say. And so, Van, I want to really thank you so much for adding value to me and to our listeners. It's been a great conversation. Thank you. Appreciate it. Have a great day. You too. In closing, here's a quick message. Coaching is the art of influence that underpins leadership in the 21st century. It is the very thing that can get you from being stuck to being extraordinary. So go to masterleadership.org and sign up to get a free coaching session. Until next time, continue to ignite that leader in you.